Greetings in the name of Jesus. This is the Living Hope Christian Fellowship of Cyprus. And this is Pastor Ernan Pada bringing forth to you the message for today. I am so thrilled because our speaker today in the church was the Reverend Jesse Palubna. He is my assistant pastor. And uh, he shared a message which I intended to record, and I put my cell phone in front of him to record. It failed to record. And therefore, I am recording a part of it, a gist of what he has shared during the service. His sermon was entitled, From Tragedy to Triumph. Remembering that today is the start of the Holy Week and uh, the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem and uh, his crucifixion this week and resurrection at the end of the week. So it's a joy that we can focus your mind on the great work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it appears that the last week of Jesus was a total tragedy. And we will just start off when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And for three hours he prayed. First hour, rather he invited three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and left them in a place and moved farther to pray alone. But when he left them, he asked them to pray. But after one hour of praying, if it possible, Father, that this cup be taken away from me, he cried before God, prayed before God, asking that it be taken away, that the cup be taken away. What was that cup? To go to the cross to bear our sins upon his body. It was not the pain. It was not the crucifying by the nails, but rather the matter of sin to be placed upon him. Our sin, your sin, my sin, that we will all be brought before him. Because of our sin, he bore it on the cross of Calvary. What a wonderful Savior. He had left the Father in heaven. He was set down to earth. He left his glory. He's left his majesty to become an ordinary man, born of the Virgin Mary. And now he's at the end of his trek here on earth. And he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, he prayed for an hour. But his disciples fell asleep. After one hour, he came back and I woke them up. He said, can't you join with me in prayer? The spirit is willing, he said, but the flesh is weak. And he went on back to his place of prayer, leaving the three disciples in the place where he left them. Again, he prayed, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Meaning to say, I don't have to die on the cross and take upon myself the punishment for the sin that everybody has committed. When he came back the second time, they were still asleep and he woke them up. He went back to pray. 
And then when you came back, they were still asleep. And he said, sleep on. So the prayer, intense prayer of Jesus was the matter of the, being the Holy Son of God. Your sin and my sin be placed upon him. And he could not just think about it. It was heavy upon him. So later on, he was captured, arrested, and you know the story. It was Judas who betrayed him and pointed him from the crowd, said, that's Jesus. And they caught him. These are the temple guards, not Roman guards, the temple guards, brought before Cephas and later on to Pilate's hall. And Jesus was condemned to die. In all these trials, John the Beloved, the Apostle, went alone to be a witness. And he was the one who made a detailed record of what happened in the trial. Well, anyway, Jesus was brought before trial and he was found guilty for blasphemy that he claimed to be the Son of God. And so we are going to see here what Jesus had offered himself when he was willing to die on the cross of Calvary. We have here records, prophecies, and fulfillment from the Gospel of John. So many, but pertinent to the death of Christ on the cross of Calvary. Number one, the division of Christ's clothing among the soldiers, found in John 19, 23, and 24. And the prophecy was recorded in Psalm 22, verse 18. And they parted my clothing among themselves. So because Jesus was crucified naked on the cross, and his robe was left at the foot of the cross, and the guards below cast lots as to who will own that garment of Jesus Christ. The second was the giving of vinegar solution to Jesus to drink, recorded in John 19, 28, and 29. The prophecy was found in Psalm 69, verse 21. I thirst, Jesus cried. From the arrest brought to Caiaphas, brought to Pilate's hall, carrying the cross, and he was getting so weak, and Simon was picked alone, and he carried the cross there to Calvary, nailed to the cross, and he cried, I thirst. The, next, the third one is the breaking of the two thieves, coupled with the decision to not break Jesus' legs. Now, we see here in John 19, 31 and 33 and 36, that in Psalm 34, 20, that not one of the bones of Jesus will be broken. Wow. And yet, the two, the two were nailed on the cross. Their bones were broken to really put them to death. But when Jesus gave up the ghost, and then he just died, the guard was surprised. Truly, this is the Son of God. 
because Jesus cried with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I command my spirit. And so as drama would pronounce, he then he dropped his head forward, a sign that he had really died. And when they checked, he had died. And the fourth one is the piercing of Christ's side with a spear, as recorded in John 19, verses 34 and 35. This was prophesied in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, and pierced on my side. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. And you'll say, what a tragedy. Imagine to be nailed on the cross, the Roman symbol of cruelty for criminals. And uh, it is a warning to any Jew or Gentile around there who broke the law. They would be crucified and exposed to the public. In the case of Jesus, it was in a primary place where people can, from the temple can see Calvary. It is said, I have not gone there. So here was a total tragedy. The Son of God, God himself, put on flesh. God became man. And to go to the cross, to be despised and rejected a man of man and man of sorrows, but acquainted with grief. That's why when Jesus was arrested, the ten apostles ran away. Judas finally hung himself. John the Beloved went all the way to the session hall where Jesus was tried with Cephas and later on taken to Pilate's hall. John was there to record actually what happened. The rest ran away and Jesus almost was felt left alone. A tragedy. He did not have any wealth and he had to say goodbye at the cross to Mary's mother. And we are going to talk about that later on as we talk about the seven saints on the cross. What a tragedy, he would say. Here was the sadness that came to the people that were like were feeding of the 5,000. They thought the Messiah had already come. And on the triumphal entry, they sang hallelujah. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, hoping that he is the Messiah who delivered them from Rome. But no, it did not happen. He's now there, dying on the cross. Now there are seven sayings that Jesus uttered at the cross. Statement number one, found in Luke chapter 23, verse 24. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Isn't that the truth? Jesus went there primarily to pay for forgiveness and open the door for atonement, the propitiation, reconciliation, and justification. And Jesus already said, declared, first statement, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. 
in their ignorance and in their rage, they just wanted to kill Jesus and crucify him with all the shame they can put upon him. They did not know what they were doing, that he is the Son of God. Were they forgiven? Of course not. Forgiveness was available, but they would be forgiven if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is for the Christians. But for unbelievers, if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We are forgiven. Praise the Lord. Now the second statement of Christ on the cross. I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. That very day that Jesus died, and the two other thieves, they also died. But this one thief who said, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. They were despising for a while. But then this one thief just said, Lord, remember me. That is the key thing there. He called Jesus Lord. You think it would be easy for a man being nailed to the cross beside one who is the center of the hate of the crucifixion and call him Lord? That is the power of the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus tells him, I tell you the truth today. You will be with me in paradise. And so when the thief finally died, and his soul went to paradise. Now, going to paradise was a place for saints to wait until the time of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so it records that when Jesus was resurrected, he brought captivity captive. All of those from the time of Adam who put their faith in God, trusted in God, they were in paradise. For example, Abram is mentioned, and even illustrations that Jesus talked about Abram. Those who died put their faith in God. They went to paradise. Now, today, when it says in Scripture, and he brought captivity captive, Christians, when we die, we don't go to paradise anymore. The Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Immediately upon death, our soul goes to be with God. And that's a beautiful thing. But for the thief, because Jesus was in paradise for three days and three nights. And so they were there together. And of course, when Jesus resurrected, he brought Captivity captive brought this thief together all the rest of the faith in God to be with God. The next number three, dear woman, here is your son, here is your mother. First, Jesus addressed Mary and then addressed John. Here was respect he had for Mary. Remember his mom. 
But then immediately in John 19, 26 and 27, he says, Here is your mother. It was his responsibility to take care of his mother. And so he endorsed his mother to John, the beloved. And then the fourth statement, recorded in Mark 15, 23 and Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From eternity past, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but just have a perfect unity with each other. But before the foundation of the world, creation of the world and the universe, according to Revelation, Jesus already was intended. He's called the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So it was already the plan of God that because He loved the world so much, not this earth, but every human being here on earth, he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was already planned. And it was implemented by Jesus. In Philippians, Jesus left the glory of heaven and came down, became a man, became a servant to become the Lamb of God, to die on the cross. And because your sin and my sin, from the sin of the past and the sin that will be committed until the future, according to Hebrews, the Lamb of God will not be offered again. It is just once and for all. But at that moment, when the sin of all humanity were put on Him, Jesus had to turn, uh, the Father had to turn around. The relationship with the Father was broken for a while, not by the sin of Jesus, but on paying for the sin, our sin. And God had to forsake Him as it were. The wages of sin is death, spiritual separation from the Father. And what does it say in the Scripture? As far as the East is from the West, so far hath He removed our transgression from us. And with that great task that he did, he re recorded in John 19, verse 28, Jesus said, I thirst. I thirst. Wonderful. Expressing that Jesus is a real man with all the punishment placed upon him in Pilate's hall, the Carrying of the cross we mentioned earlier, he was now already exhausted. He was thirsty. And he said, I thirst. To just show that he was an ordinary man like us. Then statement number six, it is finished. Heaven taken upon himself your sin and my sin, and they're dying on the cross. With the nail-pierced hands and nails on his feet, blood oozing, and his side that was pierced. He had paid the price. It is not the death that counts. It is the blood. It's the blood. In the Old Testament, it was the blood of bulls, of sheep, and goats. Not goat or sheep and cows. It's their blood. And that's why 
John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The blood has been shed now, and so the work is finished. And then after that, in Luke 23, verse 45, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I command my spirit. It was he who gave up his life. It was not the soldiers that killed him. It was the Father who gave Jesus as the sacrifice. But Jesus himself said, Father, into your hand I command my spirit. He was in control and he gave up the ghost. He died by his own will as the Son of God. So before the world and everybody, what a great tragedy. The Messiah that was hoping that had already come, the healing of the blind, the healing of those with leprosy, the healing of those who are weak, the, last, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, the feeding of the 5,000 with only five loaves and two pieces. Wow, this is the new prophet. He is the Messiah. But now he's dead. And the ten apostles ran away. What therefore? How would we understand this were it not for the scriptures? And so we now come to Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. And we'll read it, and we will make emphasis on prominent words here that talks about the triumph of the cross. First, 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So apart from the law, the righteousness of God is revealed by the law and the prophets. They are talking about the righteousness of God. Now verse 22. But is that righteousness, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, on all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. So whether Jew or Gentile, it's only for those who believe. Verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, take note of verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Here are very key words in verse 24. Justified freely by God's grace. How? Through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. First justified. Declared not guilty. All of us are guilty sinners. But if we put our faith in Christ, the free gift of God through the redemption. What is that redemption? Jesus Christ bought us back from the kingdom of darkness to the Pharisees and Sadducees, Jesus said, You are of your father, the devil. Because they despised Jesus and made fun of him. But for those who believe, Jesus' blood had redeemed and paid the price to buy them back, or buy both us back from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are justified, declared not guilty, paid by the price, redemption price, in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now in verse 25, 
whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God passed over the sins that were previously committed. So we have here another word. It is propitiation. Now from the word that we mentioned a while ago in verses 24 is justified and redemption is atonement. The atonement was practiced by the Jews when the day of atonement, this is not individually, but for the whole nation, that out of two goats, one was slain, and the blood was gathered, and the high priest would bring it in the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, and go around the Ark of the Covenant and sprinkle the blood. And some on the mercy seat, which is a gold plate on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod that budded. And as Pastor Jesse brought out, and particularly between the two cherubims, facing each other, wings spread, was a gap. And it's called like that gap there is the mercy seat where God would be there and looking down that golden plate and see the Ten Commandments disobeyed, broken. This is now the second table of stone where the Ten Commandments are written and how the nation of Israel just broke all those Ten Commandments, primarily in idolatry and other rules there and other laws. God, the atonement was paid by that blood, not by the goat, but by the blood of the goat. Emphasis is the blood. And now to Jesus Christ, the redemption and justification, there is that atonement. That is to, to pay the price. Now, whom God set forth as a propitiation, by propitiation is to bring peace. And as in God's word, it talks about, there is no peace between the sinner and God. But when we are saved the, because of the propitiation by the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no peace with God. Hallelujah. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing. Why? Because He, Jesus Christ, is the redemption price. The word is redeem. You go back to that word redemption. You know about redemption like uh, being practiced now when people are bringing cans and uh, plastic bottles. Oh, not cans, sorry. Plastic bottles, glass bottles, or plastic bottles, and they are brought to the recycling center, and they get the redemption. Because when you buy something, especially like beverages, and on top of the item you're buying, there is that praise for the recycling. 
that uh, you put there for that can be redeemed. And so you get back that money that they encourage you to bring back that material so they can recycle them. It is redemption. That is redemption. And so God has brought us back to Him to redeem us, bring us back from the kingdom of darkness into His marvelous light. And so with the propitiation, there is now peace because God has paid a price. That is God's part. He paid a price. But now, on your part and my part, we have to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The key word there is believe. And then John 1, 12, But as many as receive Him, to them gave you the right to become children of God, even to them that believe on His name. So, the great salvation is for all, but only those who receive that grace of God, that forgiveness of God, that price, enjoys it. Otherwise, it is rejected. It is We don't acknowledge the gift, and so it does not apply to us. And so, it is very important to understand that the propitiation is when we put our faith in Christ and the prime of faith by His blood. What causes the peace is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Like Pastor Jesse was saying, like between two individuals, if somebody may have stolen from a friend something, and maybe money, or a bullpen, or whatever, and uh, it's discovered he was going to sell it. Now, he has to return that. And upon returning it, the peace can be restored between the two. Not necessarily totally, but there is peace again. And now the one that had been stolen, the owner of the stolen, may be now more wary, cannot trust his so-called friend. Because friends do not steal from one another. But if somebody else who may not be a friend and stole it, there can be peace. Uh, propitiation. And the propitiation price was the blood of Jesus Christ. I'll read again verse 25. Whom God set forth as propitiation by His blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. You see, the word is Passover. Why Passover? It brings us back to the Old Testament. When on the tenth plague that would be God and said, Moses, okay, the last I will bring is the death of the eld eldest son in the family. But tell all the Israelites, to slay one lamb, and with the blood mark the door at the top and sides of the door, and the basin of blood at the bottom, formed like a cross. And that night the angel of death will come. And whatever house has the blood on the door, the angel of death will just pass over it. But since the Egyptian did not know that salvation, every family the eldest son, even the prince of Pharaoh, died. And that made them so scared. 
and they just drove the Israelites to leave Egypt. Go away, go away. Giving them riches, giving them carts, giving them camels, giving them cows to pull the carts. Get out. Get out of our sight. But the angel of death passed over. And not one son, eldest son in the family among the Jews that had that mark on the door, which everybody was scared and they put, and the angel of death just passed over them. And so we're the sinner too, today, you and I, as we put our faith in Christ, the angel of death and the judgment will pass over. And it says, oh, and the sins that were previously committed, only the sins of the past are forgiven. In my, uh, earlier, I mentioned the one in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The sins of the past are now forgiven. But daily and the future, when we get careless and we forget God and we sin, all we have to do is confess. And what is to confess? To admit it's not telling God what we did because He was there, He was present, and He saw us, and He was really there, a witness of what evil we did. All we just say, agree, Lord, I am sorry. You're right. I had bad thoughts. I harbored evil in my heart. I spoke a wrong word. I cheated my brother. I cheated my taxes. Forgive me. And the Lord, that instant, forgives us. A person does not even have to run to the pastor to seek for forgiveness. But if we have sinned against a brother or a sister, we are obligated to come to that brother and sister to ask for forgiveness. And the Lord will bless us and God will give us the courage and the peace. And furthermore, in verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he may be just and the justifier of the one who has put their faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. And it is the peace is brought in. Now we come to the last word, reconciliation. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Because of sin, our relationship with God was broken. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That is the Bible description of sin. When we go our own way, when self is ruling over our lives, when we have our own idols, me, myself, material things, and religious edifices that we put up before us, oh Lord, Help us to realize those sin that keeps us from growing in grace and a victory in Jesus Christ. But now, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are reconciled. And then when reconciled, according to John 1 to 14, John um, 12, we become as many as receive him. To them gave he the right and power to become children of God even to them that believe on His name. Hallelujah! What a wonderful work of reconciliation. Now we bring up three shades of reconciliation found in 
2 Corinthians 5, 17-20. Reconciliation is by the will of God. It says in verse 17-18, to Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that new creation has begun. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Because our fellowship with God was broken, our relationship with God was broken, by the death death of Jesus Christ, the reconciliation is here declared, it is the will of God. And even to be preached that every sinner is a candidate for reconciliation, if only they will accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Secondly, reconciliation is by the act of forgiveness. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, that God was recording reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against him, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Again, repeating, giving the message of reconciliation. Why? God was reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And it's not counting people's sin against them. When we come to Christ and we ask for forgiveness, it's settled. God will not hold it against us anymore. Although Satan would like to bother us, our mind, and bring back the memory and torment us. No, thank you. We can say, Lord, thank you. You have forgiven me. And lastly, reconciliation happens by the obedience of faith. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as Though God were making his appeal through us, we implore in Christ's step, be reconciled to God. And it happens as we submit to God and we obey him and we proclaim the gospel even to others and share the truth. It says we implore in Christ's step, be reconciled to God. It's our message. God wants to reconcile you back to him. Be in his fellowship again. And that's a wonderful picture of reconciliation. Now the cross, is it still a tragedy? No, it's the price. It looks tragic, not by the fault of Christ, our sin. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus took our place. He took the tragedy upon himself. But the beautiful thing we are going to celebrate on Sunday is His resurrection. Hallelujah. Wonderful, exciting thing that His death was not in vain, but a proof that all that He did was accepted by God. The very fact by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that would be my sermon on Sunday, So let it be that you will really put upon your heart. Yes, Jesus took my place. He had a tragic experience because of my sin. But all he requires is in Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Your sins are forgiven. 
You become children of God. Hallelujah. You're reconciled to Him. Hallelujah. If you have not really given your heart to Christ, surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord, God, and King of your life, do it right now. Because forgiveness is free. By confessing Jesus as Lord, you are receiving the salvation He paid for on the cross of Calvary. God bless you. Father in heaven, I pray for the listeners tonight that your peace will just come upon them by the Holy Spirit. And now realize that we are all sinners. And we can also overcome the temptation of sin day by day by claiming the victory in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And let it be that you said in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. Let your Holy Spirit be the one to witness to the person who has confessed you as Lord. May they have not gone to any ceremony, may not have a membership certificate in a particular church, may not even have been baptized. Because Jesus, you said to the thief on the cross, Today, you will be with me in paradise. He didn't have a chance to be a member of the church. He didn't have a chance to be baptized. But just he called Jesus Lord. And Jesus assured him that he will be in paradise. Lord, in this time of the pandemic, the prospect of death can be scary. But if we have assured that we are your children, it should not be scary because death is the open door. And then we will live with you forever in heaven. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.